1: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 51, Dr. Colin Zhu on thriving and striving for growth, understanding, and compassion. When
0: it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees. When you're having dinner with me,
2: broccoli, I-
1: I am your host, Dr. Yami, board certified pediatrician, food for life cooking instructor, health and wellness coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. You can find more of my work, including health and wellness videos, at Veggie Fit Kids on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Happy Sunday, veggie lovers. Welcome to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I bring you a conversation with Dr. Colin Zhu. He is a really cool dude. I really enjoyed talking to him and reading his book and learning... More about personal development and really seeing things from that growth mindset, which I love. I love being able to see life, even our challenges and the obstacles that we face as fuel for growth. So this has been a great conversation. I hope that you enjoy it. Please listen to the very end as Dr. Zhu does have a special offer for listeners of Veggie Doctor Radio. But let me tell you more about him. Dr. Colin Zhu is a traveling physician who is board-certified in family practice and lifestyle medicine. He is passionate about the intersection of medicine, food, and nutrition. Dr. Zhu is trained as a chef and a health coach at the Natural Gourmet Institute for Health and Culinary Arts and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition following completion of his medical degree. In medical practice known as locum tenens, Dr. Zhu has spent the past three years in a series of contract physician roles that include time in Nevada, where he worked with a Native American population at a tribal-run outpatient clinic, a veterans affairs system in Louisiana, and a county medicine department in Santa Cruz, California that runs its own homeless shelter. A fourth position found him at a community health clinic in Seattle with a diverse refugee population. Currently, he works in Los Angeles. His traveling work has been featured in publications such as the DO, MedPage Today, and Stat News. To share his unique blend of medical knowledge with a wider audience, Dr. Zhu launched the Chef Doc website, an online wellness and lifestyle education platform, which has been featured in Jerry Magazine, O Waves, and Brit Plus Co., Colin is also the author of Thrive Medicine, How to Cultivate Your Desires and Elevate Your Life, which was released December of 2017. I had a great conversation with Dr. Zhu. I highly recommend his book. It's a pretty fast read, so get your hands on a copy and see what you get out of it. If you enjoy this episode, please take time to rate and review on iTunes or whatever platform that you use. Please also share with friends and family, share on social media. Let's get the word out about Veggie Doctor Radio, because I know that my listeners really like this show. And if you get value out of it, somebody else might too. Thank you guys for listening. And now on to the interview
0: i got something you should try it's crunchy green and yummy and it's about to blow your mind it's low on calories and it looks like mini trees when you're having dinner with me
2: Broccoli.
1: today i have with me dr colin Zoo. dr zu thank you so much for joining me today on veggie doctor radio
2: appreciate the invite and uh, me coming on board
1: Awesome. So you are in Los Angeles right now, is that correct?
2: Yes, I'm in Los Angeles. Specifically, I'm in uh, Venice Beach right now.
1: Wow, well that, sounds, that sounds really fun. How's the weather over there?
2: Uh, for the moment, it's a little bit cloudy, which is very atypical, but for the most part, uh, it's pretty nice, so can't complain.
1: Well, I heard about you when I actually saw an article circulating that you had written, the top five myths of a plant-based diet. And I'm an osteopathic physician myself. And I think the one I saw was in the DO magazine. And Mm -hmm. then I learned about you and all the wonderful things that you're doing. And I just got super excited. And then I just saw that uh, Ian Kramer also had you on his podcast Mm -hmm. So that's wonderful. I want to hear about your plant-based journey. How long have you eaten a plant-based diet, or is that even the way that you eat? How did you discover it?
2: Uh, Yeah, great question. Um, So my plant-based journey uh, wasn't actually too, too long ago. So for me, I come from a uh, Chinese background. Um, I'm first generation American, born to Chinese immigrant parents. So I kind of grew up, um, you know, just living outside of the kitchen. The kitchen um, was probably the most important room out the entire house, especially when you're hosting, you know, families and things like that. And I was fortunate enough to have two parents that both cooked, um, and that was my upbringing and background. Um, but Back then we ate everything um, from a variety of different foods, you know, not you know too meat heavy, not too plant heavy. Um, I would say the Chinese cuisine, the Asian cuisine um, definitely opts for a lot of opportunities to be able to eat more plant-based, you know, Um, um, in addition to other uh, ethnic cuisines. Um, My plant-based journey pretty much started around 2014, so not really too long ago. Um, It was around the same time that I was uh, preparing for my New York City Marathon. Um, And I started noticing when I was training, uh, which took some time, um, that I would have a lot of, you know, kind of like aches and pains, um, recovery wasn't really that great. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, just kind of got a mentor, got a book, did all my homework, did all my research. Um, and then I started noticing, okay, what if I kind of switch things up, you know, a little bit and, uh, started eating more plants, you know, I listened to my body, which was really key, uh, just listening to body cues. And, um, I don't really have any crazy food sensitivities or allergies, but it's really about having a more intuitive and gut sense of You know, if you have this type of food group, you know, you know, how do I do? How do I feel? Um, How does my performance? How's my recovery? Um, Depending on whether you're training for something. And I started noticing a little bit more energy. Um, I gained better sleep patterns um, as I was going through my trainings. And so after my marathon, I uh, was heavily involved in uh, the lifestyle medicine college for uh, American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Um. At that time, I was, let's see, 2014, I was uh, still a resident at that time um, in training and I uh, got heavily involved in it. And through that organization, I was able to learn a lot of um, bodies and bodies of research, which um, unfortunately doesn't really make headline news. And what I discovered was that there was a lot of great research, especially around plant-based um, sources that has been able to kind of deter, prevent, and sometimes, you know, in some cases actually reverse disease from pioneering work of, you know, Dr. Dean Ornish, Esselstyn, T. Colin Campbell, um, you know, just a lot of great people. um, And the bodies and bodies of um, research keep piling up. And so, you know, when I started doing more research, um, I just realized, you know what, why not give it a try? And once I did, I kind of didn't look back and coming from my background, it was an easier transition. Um, I didn't grow up more, you know, like I said, more meat heavy. So, and now currently I, um, don't really have too much of a craving for meat. Um, I definitely enjoy eating meat. Don't get me wrong, but, um, but I know that what it does for my long-term health and also in terms of planetary health, um, it's super, super important. So, for me that was a choice that i was willing to make and for my patients you know i give them the options and choices of you know here is what i know here are patient you know experiences anecdotes and here's the research so you know it's really up to you what you decide to do this is my two cents and you know i'm here to kind of just give you choices and for you to kind of make that best judgment
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely, and that it hasn't—it doesn't have to be all or nothing, especially for a lot mm-hmm. of people that just want to improve their health. I love how you started out with that personal experimentation, though. My story is pretty similar; it's kind of like about my own body and how I felt. But then you were able to see, wow, there's actually a lot of research out there that we don't hear about at all in medical school or residency. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that you kind of had to take it upon yourself to go out and learn. And now you have a board certification in lifestyle medicine too, correct?
2: Yes. Um, so through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, they formed a board uh, not too long ago. And there was something in the works for a very, very long time. I'm guessing they were trying to get all the pieces together. And once it did, um, I jumped on board and I was able to graduate with the first class, um, you know, to be board certified in lifestyle medicine. Um, so for your health professional uh, uh, uh Uh, Colleagues, it's not part of the American Board of Medical Specialties, but it's its own separate entity. But basically, the whole point of it is to really promote a certain standard of how we counsel patients, how we coach patients, how we deliver information, um, you know, based on, uh, you know, research studies and things like that. So it definitely gives us as a health profession, you know, kind of, you know, more of a you know, uh, more of a support, you know, to be able to say, hey, to our patients and clients, you know, this is what we know. And, you know, I'm, you know, very happy to be able to deliver this to you. So I was able to, you know, meet a lot of great, you know, uh, people in their work. So
1: That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, I've been thinking about doing that certification. I have kind of an addiction to certifications, so, <laughs> um, but not this year, maybe next year. Sure. Since you're the first fellow DO I've had on the podcast, I'd love Ooh. to to tell um, the listeners, what is osteopathic medicine? Why did you choose it? And tell us a little bit about manipulation if you use it regularly in your practice now.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, So DO stands for Doctor of Osteopathy or Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine. And um, it's actually been around for some time. Um, Pretty much started in the late uh, 1800s with uh, Andrew Taylor Still, MD, um, and he was a really you know awesome guy, um, but pretty much the short and sweet of it is comparative to an MD, we have 300 extra hours of manual manipulation and that's basically hands-on training with diagnosis and a treatment and a whole you know systems of going about using our hands to diagnose um, from anywhere from the top later or top layer of the body all the way to organ layer. And it's really about, you know, putting the body into a certain place to be able to unblock it from itself to promote healing. Um, You know, osteopathic philosophy is all about more of a whole person holistic approach. And so, you know, we want to be able to consider things like emotional, mental, spiritual health, in addition to physical health. And uh, we want to be able to look at things from the big picture. And for me, I know myself enough that I'm more of a big picture type of person before, you know, attacking, you know, going deeper. And so I just thought to myself, you know what, let me go down this route and uh, the rest is history. So, um, you know, it's been a wonderful journey. And in terms of your other question, um, I do do it on a case by case basis. Um, I do locums work. So um, not every clinic is set up for, um, you know, that type of practice. But, you know, I do it uh, here and there whenever I can. But it's not my large focus. My niche is, um, you know, definitely lifestyle and culinary medicine. So
1: it is a nice tool to have in your back pocket, though, that you're able to pull out. But even if you don't do manipulation, per se, in medical training, osteopathic physicians do they just get to use their hands more. So we're more comfortable putting our hands on patients, I feel, mm-hmm. but also we are able to feel things a little bit deeper, just like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And one thing I also like to point out about the philosophy of, of osteopathy is one of the, my favorite things that AT still said was that he found that the body has the inherent capacity to heal itself. So it starts with that premise that we are, we're kind of guides. We're kind of helping people learn to find that path so that they can start healing themselves instead of automatically going towards, okay, well, let's just do medicine and surgery and all of these things. How can we get to a way where we get out of the way of patients helping themselves get to the place that they want to be? So that's one of the Mm -hmm. things I love the most about osteopathy. Totally agree. You chose to do locum tenens work on purpose. Now, locum tenens is where physicians go different places and they're able to stay for shorter periods of time. It could be even like a few weeks to a few months um, working for places that may have a vacancy, may be in transition. And there's a lot of doctors that maybe do this in between, like different transitions in their life. But you chose to start this from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And why did yes. you do that? Was this on purpose?
2: Uh, yes, it was on purpose. Um, so I was fortunate enough. So basically, for our audience members, locums tenants, it's basically Latin um, uh, translated to to hold a place. And the best way I can describe it to people is kind of like it's like a substitute teacher for you know doctor jobs. And so you know we work as you know independent contracting, and we're hired to kind of fill the place, similar to what you said. Whenever a physician. Passes on, retires, leaves the practice, um, maternity leave, whatever the reason is. And, you know, you, you know, the practice loses patience. It loses continuity of care. It loses business. Um, so that's why they hire us. And it gives us the opportunity to be able to do what we were trained to do. Um, and that's the doctor. So I started out from the beginning when I f- kind of literally fell upon it. Um, before I went into locums, I really concentrated on solo practice and thinking about, man, how do I integrate, you know, different aspects of, you know, what I'm really into my professor at the time, uh, told me about locums and she did that for a couple of years um, before starting her own traditional practice. And so I said to myself, you know what, you know, I, you know, I shadowed a lot of great mentors who are family practitioners. Um, They're all kind of like old school grandfathered. They took care of everyone. They went to people's homes. They, um, you know, took care of patients in the hospital. Great, you know, people. And unfortunately, our healthcare landscape is not like that anymore. Um, We don't really have Uh, the solo practices like that. We have people that are in the hospital that kind of fill up the other work, which is good and then bad, you know, sort of speak, but we don't really have, you know, that kind of pervasiveness in terms of the traditional family doc. And now setting up solo practices are much harder. Um, You know, you have to wear many different hats that you didn't account for, neither were you trained in medical school in terms of the business hat, the managing hat, the accountant hat, et cetera, et cetera. And so I said to myself, you know, am I really ready for that? Um, I looked at other colleagues who joined group practices. I looked at other colleagues who were employed in hospitals, and they just, you know, signed up for one, two, five years sometimes as a contract without really knowing if it's something that they want. For me, it's kind of like, you know, you didn't really test a car. You didn't really test drive a car before you bought it, you know, so to speak. And so in a way, locums provides that opportunity Um, for any type of physician at any level in their um, career right now. Um, to really just kind of date around, you know, kind of test different jobs and see what they like. And because of it, I've had lots of great opportunities, which I wouldn't have if I just stayed in one place. I was able to travel to four different states. Um, I practiced in the Indian Health uh, Facility. I practiced with uh, the VA. I practiced in um, a community out uh, outpatient clinic, um, working with refugees, uh, county medicine, and underserved Latin populations. So I've been afforded a lot of great opportunities and um you know it definitely wouldn't have been possible if it you know weren't for the chance to just be able to pick up and leave and travel. So not for everyone but you know it worked for me so.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no when I when I read about that and I was thinking about it my first reaction was like, "Oh my god" because it kind of almost brings me back to that medical school residency of like, you know, how you're changing all the time. And mm-hmm. every time you go into a new place and you have to learn the computer system and you have to learn, get to know the nurses and
2: mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it just
1: feels, it brings back stress. But when I think about it the way that you talk about it, it sounds really exciting. Like, wow, mm-hmm. an opportunity to see different places, to meet different people. And it made me feel a little bit more open to it rather than going back to my PTSD
2: feelings, <laughs> like,
1: every month, um, which, which is a different thing deal you know like being in training and being graded and evaluated is a little bit different but i know mm-hmm. that i know that you love to travel and that's probably one of the reasons why this kind of work appeals to you is because it's it's a way that you get to travel and get paid at the same time
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you've
1: also traveled abroad, and one of the things i'm curious about is what has been one of the places that you've been to, whether it 's the United States or a different country that has been the most difficult to eat a healthy diet
2: uh great question um, so i uh I would probably say you would have to look at the world as a whole in terms of you know where our you know domestically in terms of where our food industry is um, how much access you have to, you know, healthy, good food, um, you know, how prevalent convenience food is, fast food, uh, the concept of globalization. Um, I would probably say in the United States, you can pretty much throw honestly, unfortunately, and honestly throw a dart at the map And you could find a lot of food deserts um, in that particular spot. And when I mean my food deserts, it's really about an area, whether it's in the city or maybe more rural or, you know, it's just really having low access to good quality food. And we're not talking about whole foods. We're not talking about, you know, your upper echelon of supermarkets. We're talking about, you know, good access food to good produce, um, you know, things that uh, like for example, that needs refrigeration. Farmers markets, um, you know, ethnic stores, where you have more access to a variety of, you know, different foods and uh, different things that you can access. Um, domestically, yeah, there's, you know, we have this issue all over the place, and I think that contributes to our chronic disease burden, epidemic, uh, uh, obesity epidemic, because of the convenience of food, because of you know, the variety, wide variety of convenient choices as opposed to, you know, the more healthful choices where cost-wise, yeah, it could be a little bit more, but just think about what you're buying, you know, like a head of, lead- a head of you know, broccoli, for example, versus, you know, a liter of soda, you know? Um, it does go back to different, um, you know, problems with food policy and, you know, that's a whole separate issue. Abroad, um I would probably say off the top of my head, South Africa was probably a little bit more of a challenging uh, country to, uh, to eat at, um, mainly because they have had a large, uh, British influence. And so when you have more of a Western civilization influence, you're going to be more predominant, you know, in, you know, animal, you know, related products and meat and, you know, different ways of cooking and things like that. Um... And, but you can honestly find that in, you know, most countries, uh, most countries nowadays, uh, with the exception of, you know, you're going, you know, to be very rural. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah.
1: Was there any place that you've been that you were just like, wow, it's just like abundance of fresh fruits and vegetables. And it was just so easy to just eat healthful.
2: Um, I would probably say my recent trip to uh, Belize was a great example. Um, I found uh, a lot of markets um, within walking distance from where I was staying um, you know that you could just have access and I would probably say the combination of knowing when you have quick access, whether walking wise or um, you know maybe riding a, a bicycle or something like that to have that quick access to good food and to be able to talk to you know, your neighbors and, you know, talk to the people, you know, that are growing the food um, gives you a sense of how the community works and how much that particular spot has shifted towards whether it's, you know, more tourism or it's more urbanization, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I'd probably say Belize was probably one of the places uh, that had more access, more access, Costa Rica. Um, yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. I'm going to Costa Rica in December. I'm really excited. I'm originally from Panama. So it's neighbors right next door. There you go. So you're trained as a chef, which is awesome. What a cool tool to have and what awesome training to have to help yourself, but also your patients. And I'm just curious to know what your favorite go-to meal is.
2: Yes, uh, my favorite go-to meal, meal is. I'm um, growing up, and it's more of a comfort food. Is really having a good bowl of soup or a good bowl of like stew. Um, and for me, it didn't matter like all four seasons. So I'm from New Jersey originally, so we can have really cold uh, cold winters. And so, uh, growing up, especially during uh, when you're a busy healthcare professional. Um, having a a crock pot or having a slow cooker is really, really key to have uh, as part of your kitchen arsenal. And, you know, to have something to be able to, you know, cook on its own and not really, you know, spend time to, you know, prepare for it or constantly look at it and things like that. And what's great about it is that all the nutrition and all the good stuff is actually retained. Um, And it produces a lot of um, portions, you know, to have throughout the week. So it's a, you know, a lot of great benefits um, as a busy healthcare professional to be able to, you know, if you're on the go, you know, just to kind of pack things up and go. So. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I love my instant pot. I don't know if you've gotten into the programmable pressure cookers yet, but it's really fun because it can cook things really fast and then it holds it warm for you. But there's a new product that the Instant Pot just came out with that is a blender and cooker. So it will, you can put all your ingredients in there and cook it and it'll blend it for you and make you your soup.
2: Oh my goodness.
1: (laughs) sounds like that's something you might want to invest in, come home to nice blended, warm soup, maybe like a good butternut squash.
2: Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, well the other thing that we have a lot of things in common actually, is that you are also a health coach. And I recently read your book, Thrive. It's a longer title than that, right? It's like, it has a subtitle and I can't find Thrive, it. Thrive Medicine. Medicine. Uh-huh. Thrive Medicine, How to Cultivate Your Desires and Elevate Your Life. And I wasn't sure what to expect. It was a fantastic book. So good job on that. Congratulations on writing that book. But what do you see as the biggest barrier that holds people back from reaching their goals?
2: A very common uh, barrier that I would get from clients when I coach them is really about time and not so much as time per se, because, you know, in reality, we all have 24 hours in a day from, you know, the CEO of a company to, um, I don't know, Beyonce or, you know, uh, Steve Jobs when he was alive to, you know, we all have the same amount of time in a day, right? So what I perceived it as was people were using time as an excuse to not really do anything to not actually take the first step. So to me um, to go about doing that is really about understanding yourself and understanding, you know, what you can prioritize, what you need to say yes to for yourself, right? So if health is your important, you know, aspect and that's your time priority, then Specific energies and time a lot and need to be going towards that in order to have a certain outcome, right? Um, but for people that don't prioritize, you know, health, for example, they would probably prioritize maybe their children or maybe their job, maybe their relationship, which are all important aspects, but in a way they're all interrelated to each other because, you know, you the common denominator is you, right? The client, the patient, the person. Um, so you can only have a certain, you know, a limited amount of time, you know, in 24 hours. And we always go into this expression, you know, I wish we had more time in a day. But, you know, in reality, we have the same time. It's really about how you manage that time and where do you put your you know, time in. And then, you know, where do you prioritize things? So I think it goes back to, you know, what do you deem important and where do you want to put your energies towards and make out a plan, make out a structure, make out, you know, write things down, make up a list. You know, it really speaks to, you know, how well you are um, in terms of how you learn and work. And, uh, you know, I would imagine that once you have a plan laid out, it's more real, it's more tangible. And then you can just implement it. Mm,
1: that's very practical. Um- very practical advice there. But, you know, I think it's true that whenever you have something you really want, you will make time for it regardless. So it is about looking at, okay, how much do I really want that? Prioritizing all the different desires in your life. So say one of your clients or patients comes to you and they really want to prioritize their health and specifically nutrition and diet and healthy eating. What are some of the tasks or some of the things that they have to prioritize in their life and plan out and make time for?
2: Um, So in terms of general health, um, I would probably say, you know, understand how, you know, whether you cook, number one. And if you don't cook, you know, who cooks for you, right? And if no one cooks, then you have to decide whether cooking is a good option for you. Once you decide that, then the number two step is, you know, meal prep, you know, for most people, um, who don't understand, um, the process of cooking from point A to point, you know, um, point Z, um, it's really the meal prep is, you know, actually takes the most time and, you know, the research, the gathering of ingredients, Um, and things like that. So you have to look at your pantry, you have to look at your refrigerator, you have to look at, you know, your supermarket and study it. Honestly, um, I kind of tell my patients and clients, you know, just kind of look at a supermarket, you know, it looks like a rectangle, you know, when you're looking at it from a bird's eye view and, you know, what is along the perimeter of a, you know, rectangle is live food, you know, because all the refrigeration needs to be around the perimeter.
1: Hey humans. I know you want to eat healthier, but feel strapped for time. And even the thought of meal planning and cooking stresses you out. Well, have you considered trying a meal kit service? Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that make it easy to stick to a healthy living routine. Find recipes for every lifestyle, including plant-based diets. Green Chef delivers quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients, including low-added sugar and sodium-smart options. You get to choose from 80-plus flavor-packed options that allow you to take back time in your kitchen with dinner ready in 30 minutes and lunch in 10. Try 15-plus new recipes every week. But here's the best part. Green Chef delivers everything you need to make convenient, wholesome, and delicious meals directly to your doorstep. Each meal kit includes pre-measured ingredients as well as some produce that comes already pre-chopped and custom sauces that are pre-made in-house they also provide the recipe cards and the meals are really simple to make it's a delicious fresh home-cooked meal without the hassle what i love the most about green chef is that it takes the stress out of cooking the recipes are easy to follow and everything you need is included so even the less experienced cooks in your house can make a delicious home-cooked meal it's perfect for those seasons in your life that you're really busy with your kids' sports and school events. Hello, spring! And time is limited, especially if you want fresh, home cooked, healthy meals to put on the table. So, if you're feeling frustrated by the lack of time to eat healthy and you are ready to try Green Chef and see how easily you can integrate it into your healthy lifestyle, go to greenchef.com forward slash I am human five zero and use code IAMHUMAN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com forward slash IAMHUMAN50 and use the code IAMHUMAN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with products intended to bring your mind and body back in harmony. They consider themselves a by women and for women company, and they now offer a nutrient-dense green powder called Daily NutriGreens. Myself and my staff here at Nourish Wellness all tried the Daily Nutrigreens greens and we loved it. The Daily Nutrigreens greens contain an immune antioxidant and detox blend, along with prebiotics, probiotics, and over 35 fruits and veggies. It also contains other important nutrients, such as B12, iron, zinc, and selenium. The Daily Greens are certified organic, and all you have to do is mix it with water, but you can also easily add to your smoothies, your oatmeal, or your baked goods. The Daily NutriGreens are vegan, gluten-free and non-GMO. And another bonus is that the packaging is compostable. Yay! When I tried the Apple Banana Daily Nutri-Greens, I was surprised by the pleasant and mild flavor. It was easy to prepare and drink and didn't leave any aftertaste, and I felt great afterwards. It's really easy to create a daily ritual around your green drink, it into your daily self-care routine. A green powder is one way to fill the gap in daily nutrition and is an easy and convenient way to get in your greens. These powders are a great way to add more nutrients into your diet during busy times, travel, and transitions in life when you don't have time or access to fresh green veggies. If you're interested in trying Equilibria's Daily Nutri head to myeq.com and use code Yami. that's D-R-Y-A-M-I, for 15% off Equilibria's Daily Nutri and much more. That's myeq.com and use code Yami D-R-Y-A-M-I, at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. This is the story of the one.
2: and everything in the middle is stocked up on shelves, right? And so, you know, how do they get it preserved if they're not refrigerated? And, you know, basically, I tell them, you know, it's a bunch of preservatives, chemicals, binders, you know, a lot of additives, you know, a lot of these different things, when eaten over time, you know, may not be so great for your health. You know, we, Mother Nature intended us, you know, to be able to eat everything in its whole, and, um, you know, to be able to use all its components, not all these different things where we're just focusing on protein. We're just focusing on fat or carbohydrates, you know, but but to be able to to eat the whole thing um, and it's possible uh, in its entirety. Um, So basically to study the supermarket and honestly to really have things on hand, when you have things on hand, then you're more apt to be able to use it, save time, and to be able to put it into a certain recipe or, you know, technique or, you know, cooking, uh, you know, whatever dishes that you're applying it to. When you're not having enough time, you're going to be like, oh, bummer, I'm, uh, you know, I don't have this, so maybe I can substitute it or maybe I'll just give up, you know, and um, you want to be as prepared as possible. And uh, I would probably say designate a day of the week you know, for most people, maybe it's Sunday, um, to be able to meal prep and cook. Um, I'd like to do something called batch cooking, uh, where, you know, you cook for, you know, the week. So what I would do, um, I would cook for, you know, cook my, all my lunches. Okay. I'll probably make two different meals. And at night when I come home, then I'll cook a separate dinner. So, um, you know, that way you have a little bit of variety you have, you save time to not cook every single day and you have something prepared, you know, and then that time could be apportioned to something else, you know? And, uh, if you're single, then, you know, it's one way to approach things. If you're a couple or a family, it's a different way to approach things. So you just ha- kind of have to really know yourself and, you know, see where you're at.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now I love batch cooking and I will say also to the listeners, It does take a while to get your rhythm and your mm-hmm. flow. At the beginning, it just seems really hard because you're doing something new. You're training your brain to think in a different way. You're planning ahead. And then it's, it's like trial and error. You're gonna try to see what works for you, what works for your family. But even season to season or month to month, you might try a different strategy. Just kind of keep an open mind and, and try different things. I go through all kinds of different ways of doing things from like the simplest way of cooking and just batch cooking basically every week a grain, bean, a sauce, my vegetables and my greens, to using meal plans and all of those things. And they all work at their different times. So it's important to keep an open mind for that. Are there any type of like more faster foods or convenience foods that you ever talk to your patients about using and integrating into their lives?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, uh, for those that are more pressed on time but still want to eat more healthful, um, I would probably say this is where the a certain kitchen appliance uh, would be able to help you. Um, you know, if you don't want to do the hands-on cooking, um, I would probably say a good blender is important, a good slow cooker um, is important um, a food processor. So a blender, um, if it's, you know, a really good blender, uh, I, I'm not going to name names. Um, but I would say if you have a good blender, you're able to make soups out of it, sauces out of it. Um, you're able to make quick meals out of it, or, you know, use something to garnish or things like that. A blender also, you know, is able to produce smoothies, um, you know, make different types of, uh, you know, dressings and things like that used for other dishes. Um, food processors are great for garnishes, sauces, pestos, um, a lot of, you know, great, you know, things that you can add to certain dishes. A slow cooker, like we were talking about, soups, stews, um, you know, a lot of things we incorporate, you know, a lot of different ingredients without just very minimal You know, um, prep work, thought work, um, you know, just throw it in there and see what happens, you know, sort of speak. Um, But there are other options where, you know, if you look at your supermarket, the supermarket is getting on board for, you know, understanding that, you know, people are busy and people like things, you know, quick and easy. Um, so for example, uh, one of the supermarkets that I had back home, um, is a family owned uh, supermarket called Wegmans. And what I like about them is that they do things where they prep it for you. So for example, if you don't want to buy separate fruits and cut them up and put them together, they've already done that for you and just put it into packages. The trade-off is, is that you're paying them for the prep work and the packaging, right? Instead of you doing it yourself. So if you want to save time, you can do that. Um, you know, examples like um, Trader Joe's, you know, they would do, you know, easy you know meals like wraps and salads and, you know, made soups already ahead of time. You just pick up and go, you know. Um, so you just have to kind of look at your specific supermarket and see if they kind of have that. Uh, actual aisle and that section for you, you know, for the ones that want to go more healthful, but not actually go to a fast food joint or a convenience spot, but still save time, but also healthy at the same time. Mm
1: -hmm. And there's so many more options now because I Mm -hmm. think that Grocery stores are are starting to see that people do want to eat healthy and they will pay a little bit more. So if you have a little bit more money in your budget to have some of these convenience options, I love getting things like shredded carrots, the coleslaw mix, or the broccoli slaw mix because those are things I can throw into everything. I can throw that into my rice bowls, I can throw it into my salads, I can throw it into my soups, I throw it into everything. But another thing that I talk to my patients and my students about is taking advantage of frozen. Produce So frozen Mm -hmm. vegetables and fruits because it's not going to go bad on you and it's ready when you are. You just take it out and you steam it or you put it into your soups. Uh, Easy to make smoothies out of them, things like that. And then also don't, you know, forget that there's canned beans and things like that because even though some people, they don't want to use canned uh, items, uh, it is very convenient It might be a little bit more expensive than making your own beans from dried, but it's super convenient. You just open the can, you mix it with your stuff, you're ready to go, you have a very nutritious meal. So not to neglect the fact that you can have, quote, fast food, that's whole plant food, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. take that. You don't have to be slaving in the kitchen, even though it is fun to spend time making gourmet recipes, but it doesn't have to be like that. So one of the things uh, that you wrote about in your book and something that I encounter frequently are people or moms, dads that want to start eating healthy, want to change their diets and maybe change it for their families. But they're getting pushback. They're getting pushback from their spouse or partner Mm -hmm. and or the kids. What advice do you have for them?
2: Well, I would probably answer that with another analogy, just to kind of put it in perspective. So, you know, we know nowadays that, you know, smoking um, is very, uh, you know, produces a negative health benefit for our health. And back in the day, you know, even, even doctors used to smoke, you know, even in the hospitals, even despite, you know, uh, general surgeons' warnings and things like that, and the piles and piles of research saying, you know, don't do it. Um, but now, you know, it makes sense. We're living in an age where, um, you know, eating um, that eating not eating poorly is basically the nutritional equivalent of smoking. You know, depending on how you go about it. So it really depends on you know when you're using the analogy of smoking. You know, you you know, I have a patient that comes by and says, "Hey, I want to quit smoking, but the problem is, is that my spouse still smokes. Um, you know, all my friends still smoke. You know, and my approach to that would be, well, it's not about you know to get new friends, maybe you need to change your environment. Maybe you need need to go to a place where it's giving you more support and and fostering, you know, um, of that encouragement. So you can't change people's views. So if your family and and family members are, you know, looking down on you or think that, you know, you are going on a vegan kick, you know, um, or something like that, you know, is weird or unusual to them, it's not your job. Um, to be able to change people's minds. Um, at the end of the day, you have to consider yourself because why did you choose to go down that route? You chose to go down that route because you want to go on a more healthful you know, journey. You want to go to a more healthful state. You want to lose weight. You want to be able to prevent heart disease and all that different stuff. So there's a reason why you went down that path. So at the end of the day, you have to stay firm to you know what you want to do and at the end of the day, um, they just gotta try it themselves. You know, a great example is holidays. You know, maybe make a plant-based uh, vegetarian uh, slash vegan option for Thanksgiving, and you know, see if other people would you know actually entertain that. If they do, great. And if they don't like it, that's fine. They like it, great. You know, so at the end of the day, you're not forcing anyone. No one's trying to, you know, force you. You just got to stay firm, you know, because at the end of the day, it's your health and, you know, health is wealth is what I, is what I say, you know.
1: That is great advice. So what does it mean to thrive?
2: Great question. So what it means to thrive, um, pretty much the premise of uh, my book is really taking it, uh, you know, upper level. um, So not just, to live uh, what I describe uh, a default life in the book where, you know, you're born, you know, you have all these different outside influences from school, um, friends, religion, uh, community members, you know, careers and all that stuff. But you go through this, you know, life path where, you know, you follow a traditional road. Um, But knowing that there's a variety of choices out, you know, we're in an age where, you know, access to information is, you know sometimes annoying <laughs> it's showing up on your watch it's showing up on your phone it's showing up on you know glasses you know with the google glasses and stuff like that and uh, we're just so inundated with information but there's no wisdom from it you know and so basically the point of the book is to be able to be to know who you are to understand the person Um, that you've become and know that it's not a finite or end destination. You know, it's always going to be a process to always learn more about yourself, to always grow, to always, um, you know, just to teach others through your own experiences. And from that, you gain a deeper insight to who you are. And that leads to many, many different roads that you probably didn't know existed until you gone through that process of self you know in, inspection self you know um analysis of yourself and that the book of whole book is based off of my experiences and it kind of gives you you know a guide and a step by step you know action plan in terms of you know how to go through that but mind you it's my experiences and it's uh it may or may not work for everyone And, uh but i had a lot of fun writing it and um it's uh it's from my experiences as a physician and experiences from me traveling the world so
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So instead of just following the rest of the herd and just doing what is expected, uh, really kind of taking life in your own hands and living the life that you want to live in a mindful way that you're growing and getting the most out of it. I love that. So this is going to be super selfish because I want you to help me learn how to overcome the addiction (laughs) of overworking and overdoing. You really had me in the book whenever you talked about that. It's like towards the front of the the beginning of the book uh, where you talked about one of your experience when you realized that you were probably cramming too many things in. My husband and I were totally like that, like, how can we squeeze every single little drop out of life and just do as much as possible? But lately, we've started to realize that that can have some negative effects, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: What advice do you have for a lot of us high achievers that are almost addicted to this wanting to just go, 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 and do, do, do? Where do you start to get away from that? hmm
2: So, uh, I would say the first step is understanding where you came from, you know, how you behave as a person, knowing your learning style, learning your personality, not just in terms of yourself, but if you have a partner, you know, learning that as well, and this applies to relationships as well, Um, but for the high achievers and just as Americans in general, we're very, very addicted and obsessed with just being busy but not really actually producing results and outcomes and actually being productive, you know? And so at the end of the day, number one, why are we so busy? Why do we have so many X number of things on our plate? Um, is it because you like to dabble? Is it because you know you like to try a little bit, you know, something new and experiment? Is it because you just have this obsessive personality and just want to do everything? And it could be a little bit of everything. Um I would I would say as healthcare professionals, I don't think it's uh uh, you know, not not fair to say that we cannot come in without a certain smidgen of type A personality. Um, but I would probably say, you know, it's really to kind of take a step back and say, okay, I love to do a lot of things, I acknowledge it, I'm fully aware of it, but where are the areas of my life or where are the different projects and items where I'm not doing as effectively? You know, are there certain items or certain projects, certain activities where I'm just scratching the surface and am I gaining a lot from this area or am I not? You know, is there you know mental energy where I'm putting to something else where I'd rather be putting into something over here? You know, so you have to be able to list all the different things that you're present, you know, presently doing, and say, is this realistic? You know, can I devote all my energy same way that you're thinking about? Can I devote you know all of my you know time in you know because it is limited? And I would also you know say that our mental capacity in terms of you know how we devote ourselves is also limited because how you would know is that you would thin yourself out you get exhausted you get emotionally exhausted um your sleep suffers you know and like i said in a book it just goes into different health conditions and you know everything is connected um and then you just you know become disease you uh you know disease manifests from that so it's really about taking a hard look of what you can say yes to what can i commit to and saying no at the same time, you know, you I'm sure there's people that are always, you know, you don't want to hurt people's feelings. So you want to say yes. There's also people, you know, um, you just want to say you know, no or certain things you just want to say no. You have a hard time saying yes. So and maybe you just need a combination of both. But it's really just looking at yourself and say, what can I realistically commit to and what can I, you know, commit to later, you know, and what is my priorities? What do I need to do first? You know, what do I want first? And you know, looking out for not just yourself, but also your partner, your family, and say, you know, for this particular item, you know, what is the most important? You know, and what do I need to attack first? Not just in terms of a, a, a individual perspective, but also in terms of everyone else that is connected with you. So um, it's really about looking at that plate and saying, okay. I'm in the buffet line. I can't put everything on this one plate. So I may have to come back. So it's the same analogy. So um, I would probably say that's a great first step to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I love that buffet line because that's exactly what I was going to say is what I have to tell myself now is I can do it all. I just can't do it all right now. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. just put Mm -hmm. that on the list for like next year, five years or something like that. And another way to think about it is What is truly bringing you joy, and what is causing you pain? Like one of the Mm -hmm. habits that me and my husband have had is planning trips where we leave like literally the second we get off work, and have to take our two kids, and everything has to be packed, and it's always stressful. Like every single time, it's stressful. Mm -hmm. Finally, we're just like, you know what? Let's let's stop doing that. Let's leave the next day, not like the second we get off work and have everything ready and, you know, forget all these things and drop the ball on all the stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, really just kind of analyzing where, where are your pain points, what's really causing you pain and stressing you out and uh, identify those patterns so that you can uh, break them or switch them. One book that I read recently, I don't know if you've read, is called Essentialism.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: heard of that book? It's... Mm-hmm. It's amazing, and I I recommend it. It's, It's helped me a lot with this issue. So I have two quotes that I just loved from your book that I wanted to read. You say, to thrive is to recognize you are human, and part of being human is allowing yourself to wander, get lost, and stumble. Thriving is about building resilience. Remember that life will always come in waves. Don't strive for perfection. Rather strive for growth, understanding, and compassion. Oh, I just love that so much. And I love how you really just infuse the book with this growth mindset of how important it is to explore and to try new things and know that we're going to make mistakes. So, why was it important for you um, to write about this growth mindset and to instill into your readers that it's imperative to have this growth mindset throughout their lives?
2: Yeah, Um, thank you for, uh, you know, quoting that. Um, I, um, it just takes me back to, you know, the whole writing process. And even though from point A to point B, it took me a year and a half to, you know, draft it and publish it, um, it was really a body of time, I would probably say seven years um, that, you know, pretty much it was derived from. Um, The growth mindset or how you, you know, uh, put it um, and the process of learning, um, the the joy of uh, understanding progress and not perfection and not like a certain end destination. Um, Similar themes like happiness and success. Some people confuse happiness and success with end destination, something to actually reach, when in my um, personal opinion, it's more of a process, it's more of a, you know, fluid state, you know, where you're not going to be happy all the time, you're not going to be successful, you know, all the time, depending on how you define it, right? It also depends on how you define it from an individual standpoint, but these are always going to be, um, you know, in constant motion, similar to how life is, nothing ever really stays the same. And so when you apply that, you know, concept, um, you know, to the, you know, how you want to learn, you know, it's really about understanding where you were because the past is history. You know, um, a lot of people are, you know, are one of two places. They either dwell on the past or they, you know, worry about the future. The past is gone, you know, it's no longer here and the future didn't even come yet. And the present moment is the moment that matters the most because, God forbid, you walk out that door and a truck hits you and then, you know, you're pretty much, you know, a goner. So the point is, is that, you know, you want to be able to kind of, you know, live in the now and understand that, you know, where you were is not where you are right now. And to understand that, you know, all these different experiences and all the different choices that's led up to this point, whether it's good or bad, there's no judgment about it. You know, it took you to this point for a reason. And so whether you're in a low point, of your life or at a high point there's still room to grow there's still progress there's still uh, work that needs to be done you know your life and your existence affects others, and that's super important you know whether you decide to bear children and just take care of children, or if you want to, you know, be able to lead a company, you know, there's no, you know, right or wrong, there's no, you know, better or worse or anything like that. It's really at the end of the day, we're all here to discover ourselves and we're all here to, you know, be able to help each other because that's where the, you know, the true essence of, you know, being happy and, you know, thriving, you know, comes from, you know, at least from my perspective.
1: Mm, That's beautiful. I love it. And also just to remind listeners out there, if you're in a tough time in your life and you're at a low point, no, first of all, it's not always going to be that way. But second of all, what can you learn from this moment? What can you learn from this time in your life? Why are you having this pain? And um, as you learn to get through it, that's an act of courage in itself. So give yourself credit for that as well. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about, your personal habits. So what personal (laughs) habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it? And how do you maintain it?
2: Personal habits. I would probably say my personal habits is really, you know, this, you know, communicating, uh, talking, connecting with people. Um, I've noticed this is where I personally thrive on personally and professionally. Um, I do public speaking um, because I feel like I'm more effective when I talk to a larger body of audience. Um, And so where it came from was, I would probably say more from my mother growing up. Um, She had a tough childhood and Um, You know, she wasn't really, you know, close to anyone. Um, So when we, you know, when I was born and growing up in my childhood, I could literally recount all the different stories that she's told me over the years, to the point where I can probably write her, you know, biography, you know, Um, but she helped me to develop uh, the skill in terms of connecting, especially in her practice. Uh, she's a, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but she's a Chinese medical doctor. She still practices um, in Staten Island, New York, and uh, she's a great physician. And what helped me get into my medical career is really based, it was really due to her and how she connected and how she was so passionate with her patients and really cared about, you know, the general uh, well-being. It didn't matter whether, you know, she was using Chinese medicine as a conduit to help her patients or something else. Um, it was really about, you know, her love for them. And so, you know, I connected with that. I resonated with that. And so that started my path and that's where, you know, I am today. So personal habits, that's where I, you know, enjoy the most, but, you know, I could always, you know, learn more. I could always improve upon it um, and things like that. So.
1: That's great. Yeah. Communication is essential. It's, it's, Pretty much for me, life. I love that's my favorite way is just speaking too. And uh, I think as a physician, uh, it's one of the best skills to have because then we can teach our patients, we can guide them, and we can really reassure them, which is really important in pediatrics. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Zhu, this has been a fantastic conversation. I know that we could probably speak for a few hours more, but as we wrap up here, I wanted to give you some time to talk about what services you offer in case listeners are interested.
2: Uh, Yes, Um, so basically uh, services I offer um, in addition to, um, you know, general practice, um, and basically it's wherever I set up uh, work, right? Um, I do coaching. Um, I do coaching. uh, I have programs for that. So your audience members could go on the website and, you know, reach out to me if they're interested. Um, I offer a uh, free initial consultation with that. Um, I would probably say, uh, I could also, you know, offer my services as a consultant and as a speaker. So for other audience members that, you know, want to be able to, uh, learn more about a certain topic and feel like it could actually connect with their specific, uh, niche, uh, you know, audience members, uh, you can definitely reach out for me uh, for that. I enjoy doing that a lot. And, um, honestly, you know, not using my services would be kind of to reach out to me in social media. Um, I, you know, use as much social media as possible um, to be able to reach out to a larger audience. And, you know, my uh, my book is really a labor of love and, you know, not really to just promote my book, but it's really for people who don't really know me but are stuck in a certain uh, point in their lives. And maybe just to kind of look at life at a different way, um, you know, there there is also that. I do would like to uh, gift uh, for your uh, your uh, audience members today that um, for I would say the first five people that uh, email me I'll gift them uh, a free audio uh, book copy of my book and um, you know if people go beyond that and uh, purchase off of um, Amazon for my book um, all the proceeds for this month will actually go towards charity. Um, That will actually go towards um, Feed uh, the Hungry uh, charity, the National Geographic Society, and NutritionFacts.org. So that's for your um, audience members. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoy, you know, uh, speaking uh, to you, Dr. Yami. And, uh, you know, it's been wonderful um, talking to you and your audience members.
1: Oh, that's great. Thank you. That is so generous of you. So I'll definitely put all the links there. And can you tell us where we can connect with you on social media and which email address you want listeners to use?
2: Yes. Uh, So my email address um, is uh, chefdoczoo at gmail.com. So C-H-E-F-D-O-C-Z-H-U at gmail.com. You can also find me at my website at Uh, www.chefdoczoo.com. um, and I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I'm on uh, Instagram and uh, LinkedIn, uh, for your audience members.
1: Beautiful. Well, where is your next locums assignment going to be? Are you going to be in LA for a while?
2: Um, I'm foreseen to be in LA for a while. Um, so I'm going to be staying put, um, and then just pretty much seeing where uh, life takes me. So,
1: Awesome. Well, if you're ever in the Washington area, definitely let me know. And I might see you at an ACLM conference in the future. But thank you so much for being on Veggie Doctor Radio. I'm just so appreciative of everything that you're doing. Very grateful that there's physicians like you out there. And I hope that you have a plantastic day.
2: (laughs) Same to you. Thank you for everything.
1: I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash music. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at VeggieFitKids on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or you can email me at VeggieDoctor at VeggieFitKids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast, and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again, and have a plantastic day.